Part of this talk will sound familiar if you heard me speak in a plenary section of your ICC. That would be people who probably two years ago or three years ago. Um, that, that's all right with me. We don't have enough opportunities to talk about self-care and living in a body anyway. So a chance to think about relishing that privilege is okay to have again. I have the pleasure of talking about one of my favorite subjects today, and that is bodies. Your body, my body, your neighbor's body, Contrary to what you might think, listening to much popular conversation, our bodies are not the vehicles that carry our brains around through life. Rather, I propose our bodies are us. The combination of our bodies and the breath of life or spirit in us is who we are. Our minds, our emotions, even our thoughts are in a very real way part of our bodies. And in neurochemistry, we talk about that in some specific chemical ways, but uh, it's not a concept that's common in our culture, that our thoughts are part of our bodies, too. Our sexuality and our talents are part of our bodies. As a physician, I approach bodies as amazing and resilient, as ever-changing and vulnerable. I am aware that when I am sick with a stomach flu or a bad cold, my whole life is affected. And probably too many of you know that right now, because we're seeing a lot of you with um, stomach flus and respiratory illnesses. My bones can ache, my muscles can feel weak and tired, my brain can have trouble concentrating, I may lose my appetite, I probably won't feel like making love, I may not want to get up all day, even if I'm usually a very energetic and healthy person. It's not all that different if I don't sleep for a night. My attention and concentration will be affected, I may be emotionally labile, moody if you prefer, and easily irritated, my immunity will suffer, and I will become ill more quickly. I may fall asleep during an interesting movie or conversation, or especially a less than interesting class or convocation. I can choose to cut my nights short night after night and drink lots of caffeine to pump myself up so that I can function in the daytime. And if I'm young and healthy, the chances are good that I will get away with that for a long time. I won't function at my best or feel as well as I would if I got a reasonable amount of sleep. I probably won't think quite as clearly or feel quite as emotionally stable, or be quite as generous with others, but I will be able to do what I need to to get by for a while. Our bodies are amazing that way. I get lots of other choices, too. I can smoke pot to relax and to get a break from my stressors, and it will help me relax and get a break from my stressors for a while. If I do this regularly, it will decrease my overall energy level, and my general sense of motivation in life, which is called amotivational syndrome. You probably know some people who suffer from that, whether or not you knew the name. If I smoke enough marijuana, I might start throwing up from hyperemesis cannabinoid syndrome, which is an exciting name, a condition we've had to hospitalize more than one of our young patients with. On the other hand, I could take a walk or run outside breathing fresh air to relax and get a break from my stressors. And if I do that regularly, the long-term effects will likely be increased energy and more motivation over time. I can't overplay the multitudinous benefits of, to all of us of regular, moderate exercise. Exercise is one of our best stress management tools and naturally increases endorphin levels, which produce a sense of well-being. I can eat junk food, or I can eat foods that make my body and mood feel better after I eat them. I can drink beer to the point that my body feels poisoned in a few hours and I'm dehydrated and headachy in the morning, or I can choose to drink moderately or not at all and not suffer those consequences in my body and life. I can reach out to others physically in ways that express joy 
and appreciation in their bodies and in mine, that grow respect and delight, that honor our health and relationships, or I can reach out to others physically in ways they grasp and take without regard for relationship or health, joy or appreciation. Taking a tangent on that one, uh, I like to highlight the fact that our bodies are also our interface with the world. So people knew, know who and how we are and what we want and care about by what we demonstrate with our bodies. Most people can't read our thoughts without an expression from us somehow. We intuitively believe what people say with their bodies more than we do what they say with their words, and that's correct of us. So when we relate to others physically intimately, they tend to believe that we care about them intimately, even if we haven't made specific promises with words. People can and do choose to separate their intimate actions from profound emotion for the purpose of being able to experience physical pleasure, to appear popular because of social pressures, And, oh, sorry, <clears throat> or for other reasons, obviously. Some people clearly choose to separate physical intimate relating from their emotions because it feels safer to them. One concern I have about this practice it is, that, is that it can, in fact, feel very lonely even at the time, which can have a negative impact on your self-image and on your personal sense of well-being and joy. Another concern I have is that intimate relating and the profound bonding and emotional connection that can come with it is a precious thing. And when people practice separating their intimate physical actions from their emotional responses, um, that can impact their ability to reconnect those two later when they want to relate fully with someone they really care about, which is an amazing human capacity. We could go into dangers of disease and pregnancy, which certainly exist and show up in college campuses in abundance, but I hope you are all plenty aware of those risks and I would expect any of you to take every possible precaution in these areas if you choose to have genital contact with anyone, even someone you are deeply committed to. I will note that one of our nurse practitioners mentioned to me her surprise at the number of cases of chlamydia, which is a common sexually transmitted infection, that she has treated in Goshen College students. So I just thought I should stick in that you shouldn't think you're safe from diseases here because this is a Christian campus. Being a good person doesn't actually protect you from getting diseases. If you participate in risky behaviors, it turns out. But I wanted to focus more on the emotional risks of physical sexual relating because I think they're sorely neglected. I mean, most high school classes on sexuality focus on pregnancy and sexually transmitted infection and don't, don't uh, actually even recognize the um, emotional impact of our, of our behaviors. Um, and those can also have long-term negative consequences for people. Going on uh, in other areas, there are lots of ways um, that people uh, as we're talking about choices we have living in our bodies, there are lots of ways that people check out or numb out when they feel stressed or sad. And that can be video gaming to excess, that can be binge eating, that can be substance use of a variety of uh, types. If we can catch ourselves doing that, I hope our response is not shaming, I hope our response to each other is not shaming, I hope our response is noticing that that means something, right? The need to numb out, the need to uh, find some way to check out uh, means, means something about what we're experiencing. Uh, so I hope that we can choose instead when we notice that we are uh, engaging in behaviors that don't feel healthy, even if it is, you know, excessive, um, you know, uh, yeah, video gaming or, or um, buying lots of things online. <laughs> uh, when we feel those temptations, I hope we can choose instead 
to reach out to someone we know we can trust for comfort and connection. That actually sounds like a very simple thing to do. It's not such a simple thing to do, but it's extremely effective. Uh, so that can be um, profs that you're learning to know, that you uh, uh, appreciate, that can be RAs, that can be uh, fellow students. We can choose to offer ourselves forms of comfort that we know will be more likely to further our growth and healing. So my point in this little litany, or this maybe not so little litany, of, uh, of, uh, of choices that we have is not that life comes in discrete, clear, good and bad choices all the time. I don't believe that it does. My point is not that there are good people and bad people. I certainly don't believe that. And I'm not trying to imply in this listing of possible choices that all of you will consider all of these choices. I also didn't list some choices around which you're aware of, heroin and stimulants and narcotic pills, all of which are way too commonly available right now. And I have a whole another talk about that. Um, but I hope that for most of you, my biggest concern will be with your sleep, which I am concerned about. And I'll say more about that later. I list these choices not because they're the norm for people your age in this place, but because college students around this country are dealing with these choices in a variety of ways. And I believe that not having conversation about them and how we live in our bodies does not serve any of us well. You need to be as well informed as possible to be able to treat yourselves and your friends well. So we each get this immeasurable gift of a body and we each get to make choices about that body. None of us gets more than one body in this life. None of us gets to choose which one we get. Each of us, no doubt, might choose to change some things about the one we get, such as life on Earth. And I choose to think this part of life on Earth is usually good. If we could keep choosing any body, where would my sense of stability and security in this body go? How would I mature with life in this body? How would I learn about it over time and what works best for it, for me? You're now at a point in your lives where you get to make more decisions about what you do in your body than you probably ever have before. You have adult bodies, which are amazing in their physical and intellectual, sexual, and spiritual capacities. You can use these choices in a myriad ways. You can explore what your mind, body, spirit is capable of in many settings. You can treasure it and love it. You can feed it yummy food and provide it with luxurious showers. Sorry, I get teary anytime I care about anything, so don't worry about that. You can take it out for bike rides and picnics. You can challenge your brain to learn new things faster than you ever could before, and that will be amazing. You could have stimulating conversations with people who think differently than you do, and I'm sure you all will this year. You can allow your body to experience new things in relatively safe and supported environments if you're careful. You can make some choices in a spirit of rebellion against someone or something in your past, or you can thumb your noses at various authorities, but the choices you make about how you live in your body will usually not affect anyone else as much as they affect you. So I hope you spend your energy and time making choices that will give you the best choice, the best chance at the kind of life you want. Just to be clear, I'm talking about the choices we have. Our bodies and minds are vulnerable to more than just our own choices. We all have to deal with some things, large and small, that are beyond the scope of our own choice. That reality, too, is part of life in a body. I'd like to talk more about that sometime. That's, again, a, a, a different talk, but certainly all of us deal with some uh, physical and emotional realities that were not of our choosing, and I'm not trying to say that they, that they all are. Back to the choices we do have. In some ways, college seems like a time apart, and in some ways it is. 
It is an unusual opportunity to develop a wide range of relationships and to learn new things. For most of you, this is an opportunity to spend a few years developing knowledge and skills that will help you be self-supporting and in rewarding ways through the rest of your life. You have the opportunity to spend more of your time in preparation and personal development than you usually will have as an adult. And you get to do it surrounded by a huge crowd of peers, which is certainly exciting and stimulating in a lot of ways, and probably disconcerting and exhausting in others, as I recall. It is important to remember, nonetheless, that in terms of your body, mind, spirit that I'm talking about here, there is no discontinuity from before college to through college to life after college. You don't get a new body, mind, spirit to go on in after college. In other words, the things you do in your body here and now will continue to affect you from here on, not just because of the way we humans tend to form habits, but also because you will be the same you, living in the same body. I know that sounds really very basic, but uh, I don't think we always necessarily live in that consciousness in college or after, actually. So I'd like to do an experiment right here in what I call integration. I mean reintegrating our bodies, minds, and spirits intentionally. Uh, so I'd like to practice sinking into our bodies for a few minutes. But first, to get us ready, I'd like you to stretch where you are, stand up, give yourselves a little space from the people around you, just to come into our bodies. So partly, we're aware that our bodies exist and that we live in them, and partly, we're getting them kind of relaxed. Now let's sit back down. That's great. You are obviously excellent stretchers, which I appreciate. Stretching helps us come into our bodies. <clears throat> so here's the invitation. I'd like you to sit in a comfortable position and close your eyes. I'd like you to put one hand on your chest as you sit with your eyes closed. And you're getting convo credit for being here, so you have to indulge me a little bit. Now I want you to notice your breathing. As your eyes are closed and your hand is on your chest, notice that your body breathes for you all the time, whether you think about it or not. Take a few deep, regular breaths, and notice that oxygen feels good. Every cell in our body needs oxygen to function. With decreased levels of oxygen, our thoughts become cloudy and our cells function poorly. With no oxygen, we die within minutes, even the strongest of us. We breathe in oxygen-rich air, and we breathe out carbon dioxide, which is a byproduct of the functioning of our cells and which feeds the plants and trees around us what they need. We can change the rate of our breathing easily, but if we breathe too quickly, which loses too much carbon dioxide from our system, or if we hold our breath too long, which retains too much carbon dioxide and deprives us of oxygen, our bodies will wisely lose consciousness for us. Sleeping or unconscious, healthy bodies will breathe at a nice, slow, regular pace and restore an optimal acid-base level, and oxygen saturation in our bloodstream. Now keep your eyes closed and your hand on your chest. 
I want you to notice your heart beating. Your heart has been beating since you were about six weeks past conception in your birth mother's womb. It will beat more or less regularly until the day you die. In fact, we define death in most circumstances by the cessation of a person's heartbeat. The first rhythm in any of our lives, you could say, is the rhythm of our own and our mother's heartbeats. Our heart rates vary for many reasons, but they are harder for us to learn to change intentionally than our breathing is, though people can learn to do that. Our hearts and circulatory systems distribute the oxygen and other nutrients from our lungs and from our gut to all of our cells. And they automatically regulate our blood pressure so that we can stand without fainting and still not have too much pressure in our heads when we lie down. Amazing. Now I invite you to become aware with your eyes closed of all the other people around you, of their breathing, of their heartbeats, all of the natural rhythms going on in this room. This also is a natural capacity of our bodies, the awareness of other people and things around us in the environment. We hear them and we sense them. Now feel free to open your eyes. Feel free to see and to smell and to feel. So what's the point of all this? The point to me is that we have an amazing gift in the body that we are and get to be every day. A body that cares for us and needs to be cared for in return. A body that allows us to relate with each other in amazing ways as we grow. So that's my basic talk, but I do have three brief tangents before I'm done. I made a comment in my litany of choices about moderate drinking. I would be remiss as a physician and as a public citizen if I did not notice that not everyone has the physical choice of drinking moderately. For some of us, the choice is between drinking to excess or not drinking at all, and I don't take that lightly. We should not take that lightly as a community. Any realistic conversation about alcohol needs to recognize that fact. Second tangent, I don't really have a beef with caffeine in and of itself. Taken on an empty stomach, caffeine will cause a lot of people stomach upset, and many of us get a little tremor or a rapid or irregular heartbeat, what we call palpitations from caffeine. Many people with migraine headaches will have worsening if they drink caffeine regularly, but these things aren't really dangerous, dangerous, and there are some potential benefits of moderate amounts of caffeine intake for people who tolerate it. My biggest concern with caffeine is why were you taking so much caffeine in this country? And I'm sure you all know that as well as I do. What are we replacing with all this caffeine? Sleep, of course. You know, if I were to place an ad on internet or cable TV and I were to say, I have a product that is scientifically proven to improve your productivity at work or school and your immune system functioning, thereby giving you relative protection from illness, this product will also improve your mood and, by the way, your skin quality. You would laugh and say, boy, they'll say anything to sell a supplement on cable. But there is something that's scientifically proven to do all these things and to prevent car accidents besides, and that something is available to most of us for free. What is that thing? Sleep, of course. We live in a sleep-deprived nation, and we all pay the price. But I honestly can't say sleep is free, even though no one has to pay money for it. What we have to pay for sleep is more costly to us, and that's why we're sleep-deprived. What does it cost us? Time. And that hurts. So 
I'm not, uh, uh, again, as we use caffeine uh, judiciously in our lives, just being aware of the trade-off, the trade-off we're making. What are, what are we, uh, yeah, what are we giving up? Third tangent, when I first did some version of this talk on this campus, no one knew what vaping was. Uh, I guess there wasn't vaping, or I don't know if they can say it was a pre-vaping world. Anyway, that has changed for all of us. Uh, had you told me 10 years ago that just as we started to break the stranglehold of big tobacco on our nation's health, that they would once again be achieving success, making money off young people's future health by getting them hooked on nicotine, which is gram for gram, one of the most addicting substances we know of, I would not have believed you, but here we are. So, you may be aware that there is an epidemic this month in serious respiratory illnesses around the country in largely young people who reported vaping. Interestingly, both cannabis and nicotine products have been implicated in these um, ARDS cases, these acute respiratory distress cases. There was a sixth death today. Um, I have two articles about this from this week with me today in case anybody's interested in them. Some of these illnesses seem to be associated with a vitamin E contaminant that was found in some of the vaping products, but not all of the cases appear to be uh, associated with that, and that's just an association. We have no proof about that at this point. When we heat substances, they can change chemically, as many of you know, and they ha can have characteristics that we don't predict, uh, such as this vitamin E uh, contaminant that people didn't know would cause respiratory illness if it were, I mean, it was a contaminant, it wasn't supposed to be there anyway, but who would have known that when you heat vitamin E up, that could happen. Uh, in any case, uh, vaping devices also heat up and give off contaminants of their own, some of them particulate metallic um, compounds, uh, anyway, which can be dangerous in, when inhaled also. So there's increasing evidence of a variety of health risks associated with vaping, some from the products that the person is intending to vape, but many of them from products that the person didn't even know they were vaping. And uh, there are zero health benefits at this point of any inhaled product that we know of, including it has been shown to be an ineffective method of helping people stop smoking traditional cigarettes, which was the shtick that got this started. Um, so if you're not vaping, please do not start. If you are vaping and you would like help stopping, uh, please call our office and make an appointment. We would love to talk to you about options. Okay, enough tangents, I'm done for now. Bottom line, love your bodies. Take care of yourselves, treat you well, here and now. Others can support you and you should surround yourself with people who do. But in the end, you get to be the one to make sure it happens. So I pray for each of us wisdom, joy, and a reasonable portion of risk-taking as we make our decisions every day about how to live embodied lives. If there are comments or responses or questions, I think there are a couple of roving mics. I know I talk fast. Fortunately, people your age usually listen fast, so that's helpful. But if there was something that wasn't clear or that was, um, yeah, or did you have a comment or question on? And if you don't, that's fine. I just like to give a little opportunity. Thank you very much for your attention. It's a pleasure to be here. And I am going to finish out um, this time together with some updates and some um, good news from the Title IX office um, to review some of our reporting mechanisms. I want to just say a huge thank you to Dr. 
Meyer Reed for this um, presentation, and I especially latched on to her conversation about reaching out, about asking for help. Uh, one of the things that we take pride in for Goshen College and our Title IX offices that we um, are working really hard, a whole group of us, I'll be putting pictures up here of all the people involved in different processes on campus to make sure that you have a safe and supportive community and that you know and can access resources when you need them. All right, good morning. Um, I am here um, to give you a brief announcement about Title IX resources available at Goshen College to support anyone who experiences gender discrimination, sexual or gender harassment, or sexual assault. Um, my name is Kendra Yoder. I am an associate professor of social work, sociology, and women's and gender studies. And this year, I have uh, had a special invitation to um, be the t Title IX Deputy Coordinator. And so I respond to all direct reports um, that you make online, and I also oversee a lot of the training components. So um, how many of you just finished PIN training in your ICC classes? Can you raise your hands? Way to go. I feel like we need to give each other a round of applause. That's an important part of the training that we do here. Yeah, um, and a special appreciation to all the people in the green shirts who are providing that education. So um, today my purpose is to highlight GC's commitment to equal educational opportunity, to safety, and to support of all students through Title IX. Title IX, just uh, as a quick review, is a federal law that prohibits educational discrimination based on a person's sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. As you can see from this slide, sex and gender identity are just part of your civil rights protection. Title IX here at GC, we are here to help you address situations where you have experienced harm, to remedy situations that create a hostile environment for your learning and living at GC, and to work to prevent future incidents from occurring. In the last two years, Goshen College has created a Title IX office and named staff to lead the work on campus. Beth Martin Berkey, a former English professor, is the Title IX coordinator and is in charge of our policies and processes. This year, I serve as deputy coordinator, um, as I mentioned earlier, and I receive all reports um, and oversee sexual violence prevention training and education, like PIN. Uh, Beth and I work in collaboration with key areas and people on campus, including um, uh, student life, uh, um, athletics, and human resources, as you can see. You have um, a number of reporting options, and I think it's really important um, to highlight these. Please know that you have options when it comes to sharing your experience with harassment or violence and with getting help. It's important to note that you can always report a crime to the police um, or to medical personnel. This is not required to get help from GC, but it is your right. If you want someone from GC um, can help you contact the police or go to the emergency room in cases of physical assault. On campus, you also have several other options. Uh, one way is to report online. Uh, that gives you the option of reporting anonymously um, to let you know that um, Title IX office um, knows that something is happening, and so you don't need to attach your name or any identifying information to it. The only thing to remember, um, if you do report anonymously, is that I will not be able to reach out and um, provide help or resourcing if I don't know who you are. 
Uh, on the online form, you can also include your name. With your name, we can extend accommodations for housing or academic support and help you develop a safety plan. Finally, you can um, ask for a campus investigation with a finding or determination. The online form is only one way to report. People can also report what has happened to any employee at GC, including RAs, who will connect you to me. So they serve as sort of a bridge or, or conduit to the Title IX resourcing. As responsible employees, um, everyone who works at GC is required to help you contact the, uh, the Title IX office or me directly, um, either through the online form or in person, to ensure all students have access to the same resources. From the MyGC page, hopefully you all know where this is located. You can find a link to our sexual assault and misconduct web pages, uh, where there's a link to an online reporting form. If you're considering reporting, these pages can guide you to helpful inf information. And again, your RAs, um, student life staff, and other employees here can also help you, um, guide you through this process if you want to report. There are also confidential folks on campus that you can talk to, and these are people who are employees here but have a special designation. They don't, they don't have to report what they're hearing um, to the Title IX office. Um, many cases, people report an experience of sexual misconduct after consulting with one of these confidential employees. Because of their specific role on campus, these employees can receive information without needing to share it with me or the Title IX office, unless there's a direct threat to individual or community safety, or for people um, under the age of 16. <clears throat> In some cases, students request an invitation to determine whether a violation has, an investigation, sorry, to determine whether a violation has occurred and how to resolve that situation. Uh, when somebody reports and they would like an investigation, I, will, I ask two of these individuals who volunteer their time as part of the sexual assault misconduct response team to be lead investigators. And they are trained to lead fair, objective, trauma-informed investigations. Uh, and then after that, they write a report and take it back to the broader group for an outcome. Last slide, I promise. Um, ooh, please report. In closing, I just want to encourage you to reach out for help, to, to go back full circle to where I started. Um, there are people here who care deeply about your experience here on campus and want to support you um, before, during, and after any kind of incident of discrimination, harassment, or um, violence. If you have experienced sexual violence or harassment, please know that it is not your fault and that you do have options. If you contact me, I will help you get access to the help you want and need. You can receive immediate accommodations to support your safety, learning, and living. And it is up to you. It is all about opting into those resources. You will see posters around campus with a list of resources, uh, but you can also go online to find those options. I hope you have a wonderful semester and that each of you has a safe, healthy, and fun year at GC. Thank you so much for your time and attention.